Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and to get an update on economics, markets, and other topics of interest for institutional investors. Each podcast, I'm joined by QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning, Alison, and, and what a great time to be in Queensland in Brisbane, eh? Like the, the weather has just been gorgeous. And I know from my relatives down in Melbourne, it's a stark contrast to the big freeze they're having down there at the moment. There is a cold spell coming through indeed. Matthew, interesting week this week. It's all been about the debt ceiling, very close to the deadline, which has been set by Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, which was June 1st, really stating this is the date that she believes that the uh, Treasury may not have enough money to continue paying its interest payments on the debt. So certainly making the market a little jittery as we're getting very close to that deadline. But I understand even if we do get to that deadline, the US has a range of different options to potentially gather the cash to make interest payments, but perhaps a little bit more type of extraordinary type of measures in the shorter term. Matthew, it'd be great to get an understanding from you, um, the stages of the process from here. Yes, we'll talk about the big freeze, Alison. I mean, the uh, (laughs) US government's just about (laughs) the big freeze on their finances placed on them. But anyway, look, as you know, Alison, the, the US Federal Treasury had hit that debt ceiling of $31.4 trillion back in January. But since then, Treasury, they have been funding government spending by, as you mentioned, those so-called extraordinary measures, which largely involved you know, suspending investments in uh, various government employee uh, retirement funds. The problem is, over the first two weeks of June, the cash flows that Treasury gets from usual sources, such as tax receipts, and the access to these funds from those extraordinary measures aren't going to be enough, it seems, to meet all of the obligations of the Treasury. And Treasury Secretary Yellen has nominated uh, June the 1st as X day, the so-called day that Treasury runs out of money to meet all its obligations. Now, on the first two days of June, coming back to what you asked about, you know, how it's likely to play out from here. The problem is Treasury is faced with large Medicare and Social Security payments and expenditures over those first two days of June amount to about $140 billion, but revenues they get are just $34 billion. However, these cash flows, you know, the revenues and even the expenditures can be somewhat unpredictable. And if Treasury, turns out if Treasury can hold out, if they can make those payments at least for the first two weeks of June, get through to the June 15th, then they will receive an injection of quarterly tax receipts of about $80 billion, which along with other revenues they'll be uh, accruing, would likely be able to enable them to hold off on a default through to, and this is important, June 15th, which date the Treasury receives uh, $145 billion intake of these extraordinary measures. And that should tide the Treasury over to sometime in August. But then when we get into August, like kicking the can down the road, again, the X date for default would loom. Gosh, that is a complicated scenario. Well, we've got a little bit of a, so we might have a bit of a reprieve, but if we can hold out to June 15, how do they get the money post that? And then what will they stop doing? I mean, it, it does seem a complicated thing if they're going to stop making payments. Who, who do they stop making payments to? There seems to be two major scenarios how it might play out. First is where uh, Treasury prioritises who gets paid and who doesn't uh, with the payments, you know, in line with uh, their daily revenue take. Now, financial obligations such as payments of principal and interest on on government debt would be prioritised. You've got to remember that, you know, the government's rolling over debt. So that payment of principal is sort of met by the rolling over of debt, which doesn't 
affect the debt ceiling. But nonetheless, you know, there is, they will prioritise that. But other payments would need to be prioritised, meaning that, you know, some payments won't occur. And the risk there is some households dependent on government payments, such as payments to Social Security, Medicare, you know, government employees pay, for example, they they may not get paid. Now, there's lots of difficulties with this option, Alison, both technical and legal. Now, choosing who gets paid and who doesn't could result in legal challenges by those mm. who miss out, for example. And technically, the prioritisation would require a huge reprogramming of the Treasury's payment systems. Now, on a good note, the Treasury and the New York Fed would be able to technically meet their principal interest payments on Treasury securities because their computer system's separate from the Treasury's payment system. But nonetheless, there's an enormous technical difficulty there as well. So what looks more likely is this second scenario whereby Treasury delays payments. That seems more likely. So in this scenario, payments accruing on day X, you know, say the 1st of June, are paid when Treasury accumulates enough money to pay them, say by the 2nd of June. And that would delay payments of the bills accruing on the 2nd of June. They'd be pushed out to a later date when enough revenue has been collected to pay them. Now, that process would continue until you got to the 15th of June or the 30th of June, when these lumpy revenue dumps would likely tide uh, Treasury over to August. Uh, In the case of the principal and interest payments, uh, it'd still be prioritised, so Treasury wouldn't default on debt. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a tenuous situation. Oh, it certainly is, but and, and complicated in a way. And it's really both those scenarios are like kicking the can down the road, Alison. It's not resolving yes. the problem. Given there the likely outcomes, Alison, I'd be interested in what you see as the impact of this uh, for institutional investors. What should they be thinking of here? Look, it's, yeah, look, it's a really interesting question, Matthew. I mean, we haven't had a situation. We've come close to this debt ceiling before, and certainly markets have got jittery, but we haven't had an issue where it hasn't really come to fruition. They've either delayed payments. They certainly haven't defaulted. My perspective is it would be likely that it's just a delay that you're talking about if they can't reach agreement. Um, but I still think that that would cause significant market volatility just with the ongoing uncertainty about what you know what could happen. To sort of give it a bit of a parallel, I don't think it, it's not exactly the same, but we had a situation in 2013 where there wasn't a resolution on the budget. Now, in that case, there was a lot of government workers furloughed and, and salaries were withheld. Look, that was certainly very concerning to the market and contractionary to the economy with just you know a lack of that sort of flow of income through to our households. At that time, we saw the US equity market drop by 17%. So not the same scenario, but but you know, somewhat of a similar in the sense of, you know, if we're seeing stopping of payments um, going to the economy like you're talking about, or even delaying payments, that is going to be problematic. And you know, there's certain modeling out there that suggests that that could be very contractionary to the economy. It could also lead to a spike in unemployment, and also quite likely it could be a catalyst um, to lead us into a, a recession for the US, which we have been forecasting, but it might mean that it actually occurs earlier, perhaps in this uh, 2023 calendar year. So quite a, quite a big and, impact. And deeper too. And, and indeed, and deeper. And if it does happen, I think, you know, it is quite a changing scenario and I think quite material. And and one thing that, you know, we have talked about on this podcast is that the currently the market's pricing in um, several interest rate cuts at the back end of 2023. And I suggested I didn't think that was likely, but I think if we see this scenario play out where we have a a deferral of these payments or some sort of mechanism because we haven't reached agreement on the debt ceiling, um, I think that's a catalyst where you might actually see that recession happen and the Fed actually cutting rates uh, a lot sooner. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you'd initially imagine get a spike in rates 
as they defaulted. Yes. But then was the Fed forced to cut rates? Who knows what happens after that? You know, you probably see. That's what, and that's what we're seeing now. Markets, you know, are gen, you know, absolutely, you know, spiking quite high. And the, and the one month Treasury is is above six percent. It's quite quite remarkable with the concerns yeah. in the markets. Yeah. If we had a default though, just to go to that scenario, which I do think is highly unlikely, it, it is unforecastable to some degree, but it would be catastrophic in my view to markets. I think we would see equities in free fall as a sort of a bit of a first round impact. Secondly, from there, you'd have all sorts of implications of things like the ratings agencies changing credit ratings of, of US securities. There's lots of rules that investors have around things like what credit ratings they can hold and certainly whether they can hold securities that are in default. So you would then likely see a lot of forced selling into the market and treasuries are generally a source of liquidity for investors. So I think that would cause a cascading impact through markets in terms of a real liquidity squeeze. So I think it would be very, very damaging to markets. And for that reason alone, I think that the government will be very uh, determined to try and avoid it as, as a collective if they can possibly do it. But, you know, there is a real scenario where there's this delay or deferral um, type period, which, again, I think would cause a lot of anxiety to markets. Oh, absolutely. And we've been following some of the research that's been done by US institutions, organisations, the Council of Economic Advisors of the US, which is the main advisory group to the president. Their scenario of a protracted default, which is really only a matter of weeks, not a matter of months, you know, you could get a fall in GDP of 6.7% on an annualised basis in, in Q3. And uh, a rise in the unemployment rate of five percentage points in that yeah. scenario, in that protected default scenario, and an equity market fall of 40 odd percent. So yeah. I agree with you, it would be catastrophic. And hopefully, you know, those sort of results, you know, force the policymakers into some sort of agreement, some sort of compromise. Indeed. And I think, you know, the market does seem to be, while it's a little jittery, it's really thinking its its central case is that this will be resolved um, and hopefully resolved in a manner that probably just kicks the can down the road, I would suggest. And at some stage, this issue will re-emerge again. But it's going to be, uh, as I say, uh, days that people are watching the market very closely, I think. But Matthew, thank you for joining me today and taking 10. And thanks also to our listeners. Mm-hmm.